Welcome to the EFTM Formula One podcast, Triple Long with you alongside Harry Tucker, Connor McNally, and we do it all thanks to the good people at the KOK Sports, where you can watch all the Formula One, uh, flag to flag, as they say in some uh, some places, some sports, uh, but most importantly, every single session and all the Sky Sports coverage is, is live on KO, as well as a whole bunch of stuff that is um, free to watch, including the practice session. So, boys, we have to start the show as we always do, having just reflected on the US Grand Prix. Uh, Harry, um, highlights, uh, KO Mini or uh, full rates? What are you going to recommend? Let's go KO Mini this one. This, this, there was enough interesting bits throughout the start and, and a couple of good overtakes and some strategy to, to pay attention to throughout the middle. Um, but towards the end there, a bit anticlimactic. I don't think you need to watch the whole of the last like 15 20 laps so let's go let's go ko mini connor yeah ko mini as well i'm in agreement with harry i think watching the entire race might be just a little bit of a stretch so the ko mini just ties in nicely i think this i agree boys i think this is a ko mini event because i think it has the netflix effect where um this like you can actually imagine next year's netflix show being uh, there's an episode on this race because it had the hype, the build-up, the crowd. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just from a highlights perspective, I reckon it'll clip together very well. In fact, I might mm-hmm. watch the highlights because I, I actually think it was there was a bunch of good stuff there to I see. So all of that will be on KO. If you want to watch the KO Minute, you can uh, catch up on that whatever time of day you want to. And, of course, on KO, there's a whole bunch of cricket on right now. I know they're focused massive on cricket. I'm seeing them talk cricket on every single social platform. We've got the NBL season kicking off soon. Harry will be into that. And uh, Bathurst yeah. 1000 on 29th of November. Boys, a good race. Um, won by Max Verstappen um, ahead of Lewis Hamilton by not much at all. Um, I, I just want to, before we talk race, can we just talk Formula One is back, Harry? This this felt like yeah. COVID didn't happen. That crowd. Like, that was... Oh. that They do that really well on that track, like, where they put people. Like, you pretty much mm. the whole track had crowd like rather than you know you know especially in albert park you've kind of only got certain corners that get stacked with people but you were just watching that whole track and it was just lined with crowd and you could see yeah the atmosphere and just as you know throughout the weekend didn't get to watch it as much as normal because time zone and i'd rather stay up later than Mm. getting up at freaking 4am to watch something um but you know through the things that i saw like it just there was an energy that has just not been there for you know the last season and three quarters yeah, I agree, Connor. I, I thought that it was interesting. They said crowd this weekend four hundred thousand. When you go to the football, the state of origin, the grand final, that. they always say eighty-three thousand four hundred twenty-three. Okay, people, you know how many tickets were sold? You know how many people came through the gate? Tell us how many people were there. Don't make up a round number. It feels fake, Connor. Yeah, it does feel fake. But when you look at how many people actually turned up across the three yeah. days, I mean, they said on Friday it was about one hundred and ten thousand, and yesterday it was one hundred and twenty thousand. I don't know how many people were there today, but to get to like that round figure of 400,000, it seems today. a little fake. I reckon. I hate how they combine. I reckon, Harry, they beat 140. I reckon there was more than 140 there. Oh, I think that they, are, you, are you counting? Are you, yeah, I've got a bit of time. Pause, a um, bit of a head count. Got some AI working on it. Um, AWS. Seriously, using the AWS cloud. Um, can, can, I, can I just say, boys, I think this is going to be a massive, like, you know, tap on the the shoulder to the likes of NASCAR and even our, our folks here yeah. in Australia with supercars and the Australian Grand Prix. It's like, this is how you get a crowd for a motorsport yeah. event. It's a great example. But but is it, do you think the crowd was there for two, I think there's two key factors and it would be great to be the organisers and have, 
both statistics about where people came from, like across across the United States, or how heavy was the Texas uh, audience, hmm. and also what brought you there. You know, because is the Max Lewis battle what's bringing people to the track? I think so, but also there's a pent up. You know, there's 18 months worth of pent up mm. attendance. Um, you know, I think any event that is put on in Sydney, Melbourne, anywhere um, soon will get big crowds because we all just want to go Do out. Something. <laughs> yeah, anything. And I think Harry, that that shows. And I think that Connor's point about what the kind of example it sets is interesting because imagine Australia's always seen as this glamorous, you know, big time event. Oh man, that we got a big step up to make if we want to if we want to do Coda. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah, you think? Like, like to, to make yeah, it to make I a show of that. it like that? We've got yeah. Like I mean, obviously the closest thing we've got is Bathurst. Like, and that's yeah, and that's yeah. you know that comes down to I guess you get that's even closer to to Monaco than anything. It's kind of like Australia's yeah. Bogan Monaco. Um, <laughs> just like <laughs> that's harsh. That is oh, really harsh. But you're probably Mate, right. Listen, it's all about I'm, the I'm history just, and like all of that. Ever. Yeah, so that's well done. that's what we've got there. But we're gonna yeah, what are here. I don't know about you, but that's that's the headline of this show. Um, and we're not even talking about the US Grand Prix. <laughs> but um, look, uh, you know, Max Verstappen ahead of Lewis Hamilton, Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, Daniel Ricciardo in fifth. Alfred Bottas uh, managed sixth at the end ahead of Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, Yuki Tsunoda with a solid performance. We'll talk about later. And Seb uh, got into tenth because of uh, an off by Kimi Räikkönen, essentially at the end. Um, Let's run through the race, Connor. I mean, the start was was epic. Um, was that good. run up the hill is always going to be intense. Max didn't point left. He pointed straight. He, I, I think it was obvious from the get-go he didn't get a good start. And, man, he squeezed Lewis. Oh, I think he had to because Hamilton got a point three of a second advantage at the start over Verstappen. And Verstappen had to play the squeeze game. And I honestly thought by the time they got to turn one, they were going to touch. But kudos to both of those drivers. They actually gave themselves enough racing room to get through turn one cleanly and safely. And not Mm. just that, competitively. And we saw a tremendous opening stint by Hamilton, who led the race with quite a bit of conviction as well. The the first corner was was fascinating. But Harry, I actually thought that turn two, three, four was even more interesting because of Perez. He just, Mm. he, he knew what he had to do at that point, Harry. He gave it, yeah, he just gave it straight back. I think he was, that, yeah, that was, if it was any other car, I think this would not have resulted in a win for Max. Like he, mm. you know, he would have eventually passed, say if it was Charles, he would have eventually passed him, but he would have lost, you know, so much time to Lewis in that, you know, four or five laps it might have taken him to get past there. So the fact that it was Sergio there and, you know, being a good little team player lets him straight through, that set yep. up the victory from the first lap there for Max. It was fascinating down that back straight. Um, in fact, this opening lap could be replayed with different camera angles and everything as just an intense full opening lap because down the mm. back straight you had two Ferraris and two McLarens, Connor, which was a great battle because Daniel was really fighting. He was he was tired to tire, but Lando, man, he sent it down the end of that mm. straight. Oh, he he certainly took a leaf out of Ricardo's book of licking it and sending it and. It didn't quite pay off for Lando because he really struggled for most of that race. It was very much a Daniel show this weekend. He, he actually had uh, quite a lot of good pace. Maybe not outright pace, but the pace to basically battle with Ferrari because let's face it, they're battling for third in the Constructors' Championship and 
the more points for McLaren to stay ahead of Ferrari, the better. And Daniel was probably in the best position to to try and keep ahead of Carlos because Carlos was just as racy tonight. I thought it was a fascinating turn though, Harry, because Lando, I'd like to see it over and over again because Lando sent it down the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, Daniel kind of ended up opting for the outside of one of the Ferraris with with the second Ferrari ahead of them all. Um, But Lando ended up kind of giving back and losing out entirely. I don't know whether he just didn't get the drive because he had such a tight turn in because he was on the inside. And and Jesus, Daniel just pushed it past and and got uh, past signs in in a great move. Like it was a seriously nice mm. two set two two corners back to back. I th- yeah, I think he just had a slightly better run. Um, and I think there was a bit of confusion between everyone around what happened with track limits there because a couple mm-hmm. of laps later there was they were talking on you could hear uh, the commentary and the Ferrari radio were talking about signs needing to let Lando back past him there. I think and. He, he because he went off track but he thought he'd already done that with Daniel at that point but it was actually Lando and there was all confusion there so I think between the two identical McLarens and then Carlos there was a bit of confusion over who was doing what who broke track limits getting a position and all that sort of thing um I think just, I was yeah. in I was in Carlos's corner there I mean I call all that stuff first lap incident first lap racing yeah. I don't think Carlos gained you can't a call that shit advantage. on a first lap unless it's like That's a clear like, unless it was that clear Fernando when he just purposely cut turn one um, That's right. a few races ago. Like, unless it's shit like that, just let it happen. First lap, yeah, they're I, just trying I, to yeah. make it through. That's that's the thing, Connor. That's what we're watching for. That's the kind oh, yeah. of intensity we want. It, and we'll talk about it again later. There was a, um, a Raikkonen and Alonso incident, which is exactly the same thing. <laughs> it's what we're looking for. We want to see two Ferraris and two McLarens going at it. We want to see Lando miss out because he, yeah, sure, you got to dive down, but we all... You know, with with a bit of knowledge, understand that the inside line is you know great because you can get inside someone, but you lose the angle and the drive out of the corner, and that's why it was such a fascinating thing to watch Daniel get the advantage over both Lando and Carlos in that incident. Oh, but I don't was... think Carlos gave that place away. By the way, I don't think he gave the the place back to Daniel. I just think he lost out in that corner. But um, you know, I still don't think he should have been penalised for it. No, absolutely not. But you know what? I think Daniel had the, the the Dale Earnhardt attitude. He was wearing the tribute helmet to the Intimidator as he was known in NASCAR. And I think I just think he just, you know, got that inspiration from Earnhardt to just basically be that Intimidator to science. And look, kudos to Vicardo. I mean, they could have touched, banged wheels or whatever and caused, yeah, put themselves out of the race. But that was just hard, clean, fast racing. And look, that was fantastic. And that battle between Sainz and Ricardo all race long, yep. just yeah. fantastic. There may be a now, contact after, towards the end there as well. Yeah, yeah. with rubbing his racing, as Connor said. Um, you know, after, I think it was about six laps, it was a seven-second gap between the top three and the rest. It was very clear that um, the Red Bulls and, and Hamilton were, were going to just get away with this. Bottas was struggling at all to get through the field. But at lap 11, Max comes in straight away for the undercut, which seemed super early but i mean that's the point of an undercut right you've got to come in early harry to to shock and all yeah well i mean like that that worked for them or where on the contrary whatever uh, mercedes was trying clearly did not work for them they they played that wrong and they they pretty much just lost it on the on the pitch strategy today so yeah um red bull clearly had that undercut right where mercedes going long did not and it's a fascinating one for me because you're right it was Pretty much their back-to-back strategy with both stops was to go much longer than Max rather than normally in an undercut, you react 
and you know cut off the bleeding you know so max max made up like three or four seconds in that in that pit stop in that outlap it was it was epic but if you pit hamilton there you you, you've got a three to four second uh, problem instead of a seven to eight second problem it makes utterly no sense to sense to me connor how Mm. the strategist thought that was going to play out unless they thought a tighter or a shorter run on the the final set of tires was going to be the the race winner do you honestly think that hamilton could have pitted maybe one lap later after hamilton uh, after verstappen and we would have seen a much closer outcome i, I don't know i think no. so oh, i he think just, so he was losing so much time like on both of them you know i sort of thought after the first one when um, max was gaining multiple seconds a lap for several laps that it would have been much closer when they went for the second mm. stop, but they just didn't. The same, the exact same thing happened. And, you know, we're not Formula One engineers or team principals or whatever, but, you know, I just, I I can't work out what they were going for. Well, here's what I thought they were going for. And I said this to you boys. Um, if I'm in F1 2021 setting up my strategy on the on the Xbox, I'm thinking, well, okay, I'm going to go two stop. And then you choose what tires you're going to take. You go for a you go for a long middle stint. You take it as late as you can. So if you're Hamilton, you take it. You know, let's call it lap 16. Uh, try and get to 16, and you go for the hard. So you've got um, the same tires, but you try and go longer on them, and you put a softer set on. You go the mediums, and you have a shorter stint, but they're faster tires. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just completely reading the the degradation and the tire it's issues just, there. It's but... probably too hot today. Maybe like the yeah. for those medium tires to be as effective in a strategy like that. It's fascinating to me that they thought on on back-to-back hards with five, six-lap gaps between stops, they were going to have any impact. I, mm. I genuinely think some someone with a better analytic mind than the three of us will analyse that and look at the fact that if Hamilton had have just pitted straight after Max, as you do with an undercut, that's that's the disadvantage of being in front, um, you you would have had, had, the, had the advantage. And by the way, he would have had the chance to do the undercut the second time round, and that's Absolutely. again that's a failure, isn't it? That he he's behind Max and fails to undercut. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's it's just a, it's a bad look overall for Mercedes strategy. And Connor, am I am I wrong in thinking that's not the first time this year they've had a strategy problem in Mercedes? They've had quite a few strategy brain fades. Let's face it. I think last race in Turkey was a great example of that. But not only that, tonight, well, this morning, I should say. I just think they, they try to go for as long as they can to try and have that gap close at the end, as we saw, but it just didn't quite work out. I'm just a little bit lost as to what's going on with the, the boffins at Mercedes at the moment because they're really losing the battle in terms of winning the Drivers' Championship. If anything, I think this race is the defining moment of the championship. We've seen quite a few you know defining moments, but this is the real defining moment with Max dominating at the end. Oh, we're still, we're still one one DNF away from Lewis from being disaster. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think Harry. What I would say is, I agree entirely with Con- with what Connor just said. But I also think it's important we don't put all this on Mercedes. I think Max yeah, Verstappen, and I, I, it it in some ways pains me to say this, but in <laughs> some ways I think Max Verstappen showed himself to be the racing driver that he is. Oh, to- totally. Um, not only mature drive. Not, not only did he do what was asked of him out of the pit stops to to put on the time and take off the the, the gaps and whatnot, um, he fought amazingly well at the end to push against Lewis and and not allow Lewis to get within DRS. And the other thing which was pointed out by Crofty and Martin was you know in that first set of pit stops he was on the radio while while battling while racing to try and build a gap, letting the team know that Perez should be working to you know pull pull Hamilton back. So 
And it's that strategy thinking that I think did show some maturity today that that we 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 wouldn't have seen from Max a few years ago, Harry. Yeah, he's turning into you know as as all professional athletes do as they get a few years into their career and and start to enter, I guess, like that prime. You know, it starts to become the full picture. It's not just that raw speed that you build up as a junior driver. It is you you start to get there on a mental capacity as well. You you you've got your strategy there. You're playing games with the other drivers, and it's just Max is putting it all together. Um, mm. And he's becoming that that complete driver. Like he's always had the pace. He's just needed that little bit of experience and maturity. And and he's he's got it. He's starting to have it. I think it's easy for all of us to sometimes criticize Max when he has a bad race or he acts very easily. Oh, so easy. But it's fun he, too. he showed a, a clear head tonight in terms of maturity. Well, this morning. I keep saying this way. I'm so used to doing it at night. That's how bad it is. But, yeah, he, he just had that drive, world champion performance in this race. And and that's probably the, the, the turn of the page for Verstappen as a driver, just a, yeah. as a maturity driver. Speaking of maturity. Let's talk about uh, Raikkonen and Alonso at Turn One. Now, <laughs> I actually think I actually think it was it was brilliant racing. You know, it was, oh, it was great. It was two cars. Um, Raikkonen wasn't wheel to wheel; he was wheel to fender, and there was some uh, carbon fiber on the track. Um, but geez, it was great to see two old timers pushing at each other, and it created a, a bit of drama going forward, Connor, because you had um, uh, Alonso in his mind seeing that as being a legal way round, and then. He, he tries to use that as justification to go completely outbreak himself and and try and get past Giovinazzi. Yeah, and look, you can tell that um, Alonso was not uh, taking crap from anyone, and it was interesting to listen to the the race radio between Alpine and the FIA with Michael Massey, and Massey was just like, "I'm not taking your crap any any way whatsoever." <laughs> they, were, they were being very salty, Alpine, and basically Michael Massey put them in their place. Said, "Not my call." Not, you know, it's uh, yeah, it was very interesting, and I would have loved to have heard Raikkonen's race audio as well because uh, Raikkonen, I don't think he really gives two shits now because he's at the end of his career, and you know he doesn't give a flying fuck. Yeah, I don't think he was saying too much to be honest. I think he was probably just um, you know, can you saying can you have my meat and three veg ready when I get back to the? <laughs> I, mean, I think he's just he's just seeing out his races, which is still great. He's still performing. It's just I don't think he needs to communicate much. He's more likely to just tell him to shut up and move on as he has in the past. Um, there was um, you know, so Alonso essentially battled with with the two alphas pretty strongly throughout. But interestingly, um, both uh, Alpines were forced into retirement. Um, I wonder whether there's uh, Ocon was first, and I wonder whether Alonso's was a kind of sympathetic retirement to ensure that they could replace parts um, under that kind of regime that that happens, Connor, because it is a bit strange to just pull a car into the into the pits with you know six seven left to go. Yeah, it hasn't been the best race for our P. No, like hasn't been the best season. No, well, I mean the only shining light is Ocon's win in, in Hungary, which you know has been you know. It, it, people kind of forget about that now because we've moved on. But yeah, it's yeah, not been the best oh, yeah. second half of the. So did I? Yep, yep, yep. It's yeah. been, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's seen a pretty average second half of the season for Alpine, and uh, yeah, it could be worse. It could be harsh where they put absolutely no development into their car. So yeah, that's true. Look, um, as we round out to, to the end of the race, it was fascinating because Hamilton um, was getting that lap. That, he was getting that gap down to three seconds. Now. With 27 laps gone and a three-second gap, it struck me as, as difficult. We go back to the strategy that it was his job to undercut, and he didn't. And that's where they lost the race because Max was able to come in, Max was able to undercut, and Max was able to lead. Uh, Lewis had, what did he have, seven to ten seconds to make up 
um, at the end of the race and he was doing it in spades. He was doing a pretty darn good job, you know, three tenths, four tenths, five tenths a lap. And it was always going <laughs> to, the calculations always show he's going to be there near the end. And Martin, <laughs> fortunately, recaps Murray Walker's famous, you know, saying if it's, it's easy to catch, it's not easy to pass. But mm. um, Harry, I, I don't know. What were you thinking with 10 to go? Were you thinking this was really going to come down to the wire? No. Or were you thinking it was not going to happen? No, I had no hope. It was, like you're saying, it was, I, I thought for sure, and he did, uh, Lewis get, got close. But as mm. we saw throughout the race, and as we see through most races uh, on the calendar, that if the cars and drivers are as close as that, the chance of passing is very minimal. Um, yeah. and it's exactly what happened. I think Lewis, I think maybe made a couple of little errors that hurt him in the last lap or two that he, he could have got closer. Maybe there was a chance, but I, I was not confident, um, towards the end there that it was going to end up in a legitimate battle. Mm. Would have been sick. Connor, I, you know, he, he, it, it looked like it was coming down to the wire. It yeah. looked close, but I genuinely, this is my, again, I'll go back to my credit to Max. I genuinely think that that's as a result of Max. It's as a result of Max finding more pushing more, taking more out of the car than perhaps he was in the, in the able to even in the laps prior. And it didn't, didn't come to pass that it was, uh, it was a race to the end, but Jesus, Connor, they passed, they crossed the line with, you know, seconds, uh, less than a, what was less than two seconds? Yeah. 1.333 seconds. Yeah. It was very close in the end. I think what really won the race in the end in those final few laps was that on the second last lap, Hamilton came out of turn 11 and he was, I think he might've been on the second last lap or the last lap and he was slower coming out of the corner. So he couldn't take any advantage of the DRS that he, yeah, he got to within that under one second, but Verstappen had a very good first sector on that last lap. So it basically neutralized the entire advantage that uh, Hamilton would have had, had he got in the DRS zone. So yeah, Verstappen really dug deep in those final few laps, even though Hamilton had fresher tires and probably had much more pace. But yeah, it was just um, yeah, just a bad moment coming out of turn eleven for Hamilton, and that was it. Job done for Ham uh, for Verstappen. He won the race from that point. Yeah, crossed the line for his first uh, win in Austin at the Circuit of the Americas. Um, and it was, and it's also an end of domination for Mercedes yeah. because, like, they've won every race since twenty thirteen uh, at the US Grand Prix at, at Coda, and yeah, that's the first time that Red Bull have actually achieved that. Yeah, it was epic. It went right down to the wire, and it would have been great to, to be there as, as much as it was to watch it. And um, you listen to the EFTM F1 podcast. Thanks to KO. Um, all the uh, all the highlights through a KO Mini available for you to watch right now. We can watch the whole race if you choose. You've got a couple of hours to kill. Get into it. Um, there is a lot going on on KO, as we mentioned earlier. I think the, the men's T20 World Cup is uh, is all the rage. It's all happening. Lots going on, lots of matches, all of them, all of which you'll find on KO. Let's just look at a couple of the teams, boys, um, before we talk about individual drivers. Um, you have to say, obviously, we mentioned um, Alpine, uh, not a great result given they both uh, were pulled into the garage um, by the end of the race. A shocker for, for Williams because, you know, nothing really to write home about. I would have thought that that's disappointing for them given they've got Mercedes power. Connor, I, I, I don't know, is that disappointing or is that just to be expected where they are? I mean, 14 to 15 looks good, but... You know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's kind no, of, expected. there's not, nothing strong there. No, there's nothing strong at all. It, it's kind of expected. And I think it, it the, you know, the, um, the trajectory of their race started with when Latifi got spun out at turn one from with Lance, well, tapped Lance Stroll and spun him around. And uh, there was not a love loss between those two. George had a very good start of the race. He went from 20th to 14th and then 13th by about lap two or three. But that was as far as he got. He yeah. never got any further than that, dropped well back. And I think, as you said, Trev, there's, 
that's probably the pace of of Williams race pace, not just qualifying pace is a different story. They can George can pull something out of the hat every time, but in terms of race pace, they're not even close. But Harry. Harry, Ferrari was fascinating to me this weekend, and I have to say, and we both mentioned this earlier, we haven't watched every session this weekend, so there's a lot of there's a lot of great insights. I have to, and this is not a pure plug, but there's a lot of um, insights you get from watching every session, uh, as you can on KO. Um, you get those kind of 30 minutes in between sessions, before sessions, where they're trying to fill time and they're, they're sharing all their insights. And the, there was uh, some mention tonight of, or this morning of Ferrari having... Uh, an upgrade to the to the power unit, which was more powerful than they even they expected, Harry. And I think I think that showed tonight. They had a good, strong team performance, uh, even though Carlos, um, you know, couldn't get past Daniel. So I think Carlos had. Uh, I think he started on. He was the only one to start on soft. Uh, him and Yuki were the only to start on soft. So he, yeah, that was a bad uh, decision there. And then that that ended up costing him, I think. But then yeah, if you compare that to Charles, who uh, you know was comfortably in that fourth spot pretty much the whole race. He, yeah. he never really had anyone challenge him around him. He yeah. was clearly had a bit more pace on the, on the McLarens um, with that lead there. So it, it seemed like that, that engine performance has definitely put them, you know, on a track like this, at least it's maybe even slightly above the McLaren pace. Um, but yeah, I, I, if Carlos had that solid strategy with the tires or even just the same strategy as most people, yeah. I think it could have been a, a Ferrari four and five. Could could have, and let's not forget that second stop that Carlos had. He pitted after Ricardo. That stop was actually slower, and because they had troubles getting, uh, I think, on the left or the right rear tire, and it, that cost him quite a bit of time. So that probably played into the hands of Ricardo and McLaren. But I was a bit nervous because Carlos was really closing in on Dan at, at that latter stage of the race, and like there was a lot of touching you know panels and everything else in the yeah that tight section of the circuit coming back into the into pit straight and oh boy that was really tight and as i said to you before rubbin's racing and uh carlos didn't like that but <laughs> suck it up boy suck yeah, it up yeah absolutely the the other thing i the other team i think we should just talk about quickly and this may surprise you but it's red bull yeah. i mean i know we've mentioned it during the year but let's be clear They've come from, you know, being a, a strong second to a, a challenging first, uh, equal first, um, not just because Max is a great driver, but because, you know, the new regulations this year, the tweak regulations obviously favoured them more than they did Mercedes, but that's what we want, right? We want them brought closer. But gee whiz, Harry, I mean, it's it's actually a, an unbelievably great performance by Red Bull to be where they are um, up against Mercedes. Yeah, like if you think about how, what are we, year seven into this hmm this hybrid era like it was yep. mercedes has just absolutely dominated it um and even like you know red bull's always been one of the better teams in this era but it was ferrari for the most part that was up yeah. there with them it's only really been you know towards the end of last season and then this season that they have been up there and they've they've done a fucking phenomenal job like they mm. they are there like i think i think perez is is a bit shit um <laughs> to uh to to put it slightly politely there but if you know compared to what they're doing and i think if ricardo was still in that seat they would be clearly out in front in the uh constructors i think that's a great observation i mean perez is a great driver um but red bull's not had a strong two or a strong one two um since max and daniel and daniel's loss is every other team's gain to to in terms of red bull because you know, he he would have been he would have been the perfect rig. He, Lewis wouldn't have got within Cooley of of Max if Daniel had been in that car and closer 
and creating that rear gunner, assuming obviously that Max was still the championship leader and that's what they were fighting for. You know, Perez is obviously cutting great laps and he's doing he's doing better in quality now than he was. So he's clearly getting used to the car in the same way Daniel's getting used to the McLaren. But I just think overall as a team, I think it's fascinating to see Red Bull continue or bring come come back to that spot, uh, given how hard it is for teams to turn these kind of performances around. And I think that's absolutely to their credit. Um, from an individual driver perspective, before we get to Connor's um, championship tables, but from an individual driver perspective, again, we mentioned this last week, but Yuki Tsunoda is one hell of a blocker. And not mm. in a not mm. in an annoying way, in a, dude, I'm racing you, and I ain't just letting you pass kind of way, Connor. It's actually rather refreshing to see Yuki be in that position. And I'm, obviously, I think it's the, the grand scheme of Red Bull to, you know, have the B team, you know, be that blocker. And Yuki's really taking it up. And let, let's face it, Char, um, Pierre had a really, really poor race due to a number of issues not going his way mechanically. He had an issue at the start with uh, with his power unit. They they almost had to pull the car out, and then he had suspension issues after 10 laps. But Yuki just really took it up when Pierre couldn't, and that was really impressive. Like, he, he continues to impress in his debut season, even though, you know, he's still brash and a bit of a firebrand, and they're starting to temper him down a little bit. But he, he really stood up to, you know, quite of the experienced runners, and he's just going to get better and better. And I think year two, 2022, it's the year that he has to really step up even more if he's going to keep that Red Bull seat. Harry, what are your thoughts on Seb Vettel at this point? I mean, you know, Aston Martin, not quite where they where he might have wanted them to be. But again, that mm. could be that whole long game, new regs. What do they look like when there's new regs and everything? But, and you know, he's he's driving well, but it's, it's just still that mid-pack performance. I wonder whether he is happy where he is. I mean, he, he scraped into the points, 10th spot there. Um, only, but that, only by virtue of Raikkonen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the Aston clearly is not at the pace that they were comparably to the rest of grid last year. Um, mm. it's, it's just hard. So with that, it's hard to tell if, you know, if Seb is potentially underperforming um, or if it's the car. But he most races he beats he beats Lance. So, you know, that's, that's the only real person you can compare exactly. him against. And he's faster than his teammate. Um, so I think, yeah, I think next year will be uh, a big bit of truth for for quite a few drivers to see where they're really at and, and see where the teams are really at. And, and it's definitely going to be the case for, for Aston and Seb. But I think I'm quietly confident for them next year. I think Big Daddy Stroll is, is uh, committed enough and, and is pulling all the punches there financially that unless they've got a huge screw up in their engineering strategies and stuff like that, I think I think they sh- they'll be all right next year. I'd bet on it. Yeah, I think I think so too. I mean, it's quite clear that they've they've backed off the development of their car for this year in this second half of the season. They know that they've got as much as they could out of it, and compared to last year, I mean, their results right now they're not right up there. But I think they're just more focusing on twenty twenty two. And if they screw up their their engineering of the twenty twenty two car, well, that's all but themselves at fault to blame for that one. But I hope not because you know they're they're showing the signs that they're going to have something good come next year and let's hope they can deliver on that because they need to. All right. Well, uh, I think next year's that's the fun part of next year is looking at it and going, you know what? These teams have completely stuffed up in the same way that, you know, look at Williams into this era. Um, if you can't, if you can't get next year's car right, you could be hamstrung for uh, an era. Like it could literally be five years of, of downturn, which is problematic going forward, but that's a whole other issue. Championship tables. Um, the driver standings now look very, very interesting with Max out front, but, you know, no way is this battle over. Oh, absolutely not. So 
13 points the difference between Verstappen and Hamilton. So almost half a win there. So Hamilton, um, sorry, Verstappen is now 287.5 points to Hamilton's 275.5 points. Valtteri Bottas now has a 35-point gap over Sergio Perez in the battle for third. So he's pretty much consolidated third at this point, 185 to 150. One point behind Sergio is Lando Norris at 149. Then it's Charles Leclerc, who's now... Uh, five and a half points ahead of Carlos Sainz in the battle for Ferrari in six and seven. Daniel Ricciardo getting a good run of points tonight, well, this morning in eighth place with 108. Then it's Pierre Gasly, 74, Fernando Alonso on 58. And, and I think what's constructors is fascinating to me because you've got to say Red Bull wants the double. They but do. But, mm. but the, the only benefit is Valtteri's had a couple of poor performances but I don't see that continuing given they've pretty much taken the power units now. And it would only make it, as you said earlier, Harry, it would take a DNF, but um, I, I don't, I don't see them getting the double. I do see them doing okay in the driver's championship. It'll be fascinating. Kind of the, the table. Yeah. Well, it was only 23 points between them. So there's not much, there's not much of a gap between them at this point. It's only like a one race win. And if, Either one of them, particularly Mercedes, has a real bad race. It could go in the way of Red Bull. So it's 4.16.5 points, Mercedes. Red Bull have 4.37.5. McLaren now have a 3.5-point gap over Ferrari, 2.54 to 2.50.5. Alpine scoring nothing tonight or this morning on 104. Then it's Alpha Tauri on 94. Aston Martin, 62. Williams, 23. And Alfa Romeo rounding it out on seven points. And the, uh, the American Formula One team has... that's why i'm not mentioning them because they they're still on a big fat zip right there they didn't pull off that fairy tale weekend with the uh support of austin behind them i mean it is funny we 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 mentioned this a little bit in in private but you know the the idea and they they do it themselves the idea that they call themselves america's f1 team is is a bit weird let's be honest i mean you know they're a russian team really yeah, yeah. <laughs> hello, look at the colours, look at the drivers. There's nothing American about them other than basically a large part of their ownership. But I just, it's funny how they can still say that and think that it means something. I didn't see, you know, it was, the, the crowd was going for the front-end battle. They were going for Lewis or Max because when those cars went out, the cheers, like it was, it was, that crowd was so good you could hear it. And you could hear the crowd was cheering for Max or Lewis. You could hear when Max came out in front as he came around the back you can hear the crowd just go wild when they realize i loved it i think that's that's the best part of this weekend isn't just that it was a good race but that we we saw once again that if i look to be honest martin's grid walk made me smile harry because it made me feel like we were we were kind of getting back to normal harry and i think that's that's a good thing for life (laughs) yeah you're right like it's honestly like you know in terms of things that you watch and We've had plenty of sporting events. You know, NBA started this this week and I've been watching a bit of that. But there was something about this crowd, something about the vibe of the paddock and everything that kind of felt like the most normal thing that we've felt in a, in a long time. It was, it, was, it was great. It was a great thing to wake up to on a Monday morning. It was great, great to see um, Martin get completely shunned by a, a rapper wearing not enough um, on the grid. Yeah. Um, Oh. Who, who clearly this is and we talked about this my favorite thing there is you got this woman who's apparently famous never heard of her in my life who um who clearly wanted to talk she was like yeah hi and and this big burly security guard and then some other dude just you know give up and and push martin away it's, it's a funny world they live in celebrities like that when they have this great opportunity to expose themselves to like they should actually be briefed on the grid to say listen 
if the bloke with the red and, and blue microphone comes up to you, just talk to him. I mean, great opportunity, Harry, on the grid. I don't know. I don't feel like there's a lot of crossover between Megan the Stallion's uh, audience and the European F1 grid and its fans. Had you no, le- there's no, had there's you no legit, crossover at all. Had you legit heard of her before this? No. Nah. <laughs> I never. I haven't either. I saw, I'm like, I saw, who um, the hell? I assume she's. I'd looked her up after. She was a, a rapper. Um, we, we you know three of the whitest fucking Australian blokes over <laughs> here. Like, <laughs> oh, sure. We, I'm we must be John showing Barnum, our age, but not yeah. Megan the. What the hell? Anyway. But anyway, um, yeah. Kim Altman uploaded a picture, and that's how I worked out who it was. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Good stuff. It was. You know what? I enjoyed the morning. Um, you're right. The time zone was good for us. But fascinatingly, it's bad for Europe, like if you think about it, because it's super late night there for them. But not super late. It's kind of 9.30, 10, isn't it? So 10, it's 10 a great o'clock, time. yeah. It's I, a I, wonder, great, it's I wonder how it rates for them. Mm. I, I was watching I was ro- watching all of the social media, like Twitter in, in particular, and some of the European fans who were watching were kind of whinging and moaning, oh, this is so late. I was like, come on, seriously, Babies. for us Australian well, fans, we've put up with it for so long. <laughs> Well, let's find final. Let's let's address the the rumours that the, there could be Las Vegas. There could be up to three US races, and I think if you're um, Domenicali, if you're Liberty Media, looking at this, going, wait a minute, four hundred thousand people, um, massive hype, great atmosphere, good TV pictures, good just pictures generally. What, let, okay, let's good, let's do it. And the the normal, the Bernie rule would be, now, come on, mate, the the time zone for Europe, fuck Europe. I mean, America might not be the population in terms of um, reach. But the hardcore fans are still going to watch it in Europe, so you're not going to oh, lose reach. But the money, Harry, is in America, so I actually think they will probably add one or two races in the um, in the continent, if you like. Ah, oh, would would uh, would not bet against that at all. I think it's very clear that the Liberty wants more money, um, as we've we've been able to tell from the uh, the tracks they've added and the countries they've been happy to make deals with. Uh, money is all they care about, and there's a lot of money to be found in the US. They will not care about tapping into that. Thanks for betting on that and mentioning betting because um, I think no Fuck, safe I tell you what, the, only, the only one I got tonight. Uh, you get any I, up I, I, I think I only got safety car as well, no safety car. So, yeah, um, didn't get that much. Didn't Very get that much. All right, boys. Uh, good race, but now you've got to go to work. So <laughs> pack your bags. And we have we have to do it again next week. Another six a.m. race uh, start next Monday weeks, right? morning for the Mexican Grand Prix. Is it next week? I thought yeah. it was a week after. Oh, is it the week after? Is it? Let me have a look. Eighth wow, uh, of November. Eighth of November. Okay, so two weeks. There okay. You go. All right. Good. Well, um, we'll take a week off, but I don't mind the uh, the early start. So we must have a few back to back then because there's six races in eight weeks or something, isn't there? Yep. God, it's all ahead of us. All right, boys. Thanks for tonight or this morning, and uh, we'll be back after the Mexican Grand Prix with another edition of the EFTM Formula 1 podcast. Thanks to the great people at KO. Check it out now at ko.sports.com. See you, boys. See you. See you.